You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. In media today, fathers are, are portrayed as stupid and dumb. Um, before I begin, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the single moms in the house. Do not feel this is not for you, okay? Some of you have to fill the role of dad and mom. The Bible says that we are sons of God, but we're also the bride of Christ. Okay, so when I talk things about the father, I understand and I get it. Some of you moms, I honor you this morning. I know how tough it is when you have to do it on your own. You are worthy of double honor. God bless you this morning. Today I'm addressing also, yes, in particular, the fathers. Because they don't get spoken into enough. Our media celebrates women and well deserving of it because you've been forgotten for so long. And you deserve the honor. But I want to make sure that it's not at the expense today of the male figures in the household to the fathers. The Bible is rife with dumb dads. Would you like to hear some of them? Jephthah was a judge of Israel raised up in a time when the people were being persecuted. God raised up this hero, this champion, in the midst of this battle. He says, God, if I beat this army, I will sacrifice the first thing that steps foot out of my door. Stupid. I mean, did he have cows and sheep? and donkeys and chickens coming out of the door of his, that he keep them in the house because the first thing that came out of his house was his daughter and he ended up sacrificing his daughter because of a stupid vow he made noah the man of faith the only righteous man on the planet gets drunk stark drunk and when he when i say stark i mean he was starkers he didn't have any clothes on and he was, he was there for public humiliation. Everyone saw him. One of his sons made fun of him because he fell drunk. Now, just imagine 600 years old. Not a good picture. Isaac. <laughs> Thank you for the visual. Now you can't get out of here. <laughs> Isaac and Jacob both had favorite sons and made it known they were their favorites and caused such grief and turmoil in the house. One of them uh, had to run away from his brother who was going to kill him. The others, the brothers actually were going to kill him and ended up selling him into slavery. Eli, the high priest of Israel, the final judge, was so permissive with his son's sins. They were pastors. They were sinning in the house of God, and he did not correct them, that he brought judgment over his entire household. Parents, if you are permissive with your children and allowing them to sin, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 2.29, judgment comes upon your household. So I take my fathering and my parenting, my wife and I, with quite uh, sober thought. We realize we will be held accountable for Jesus. I'm going to try and preach a message in 15 minutes. Can you bear with me? 15 minutes. I want you to quickly turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 24. Luke chapter 15 and verses 11 to 24. It's a story that we're all familiar with. And what we usually do in this story is that we focus on the prodigal son. And we focus on the older brother. 
but we fail to focus on the real star of the story, and that is the Father. So we're going to grab stuff from the story that we can apply to our lives. This is not principles that are only for dads. These are principles all across the board, a mother, father, sons and daughters, something you can grab from this. Let's read together Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 24. Jesus tells his parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. You can fill in the blanks of what that means. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Imagine a Jew feeding pigs, an unclean animal. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. In other words, they didn't even give him the pods that the pigs were eating. When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. This is his recorded speech. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him and says to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat, the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine who was dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate today, I want to tell you that there is no perfect father. We're going to aspire to be as good as this father was because if you read between the lines, Jesus telling the story was speaking about the father heart of God and that we are the sons. We are either the prodigal that runs away. By the way, the word prodigal doesn't mean run away. The word prodigal means someone who is excessive. They don't know when enough is enough. And they squander everything. The prodigal, so that we are prodigals. We're either the big brother that stays at home and is constantly offended and hates the younger brother, or we're the younger brother that runs away from home, squandering everything on loose living until eventually we are, we've hit bottom, rock bottom. And we get to that point in time where we begin to realize, this isn't good. I need to do a change in my life. I think it was, to remember who it was, who said, it's insanity to keep doing the same things and expecting different results. Yet we do it all the time. And we try to pray ourselves out of the situation without being willing to change. But it says that when he hit rock bottom, 
That's when he began to change. Let me begin to unpack it for you in the short time that I have left. You notice that the son, the prodigal son, asked the father, Father, I want my share of the inheritance. If you can understand for a moment the sheer gall of a child to be asking their parent, as far as I'm concerned, what he's saying, you're dead and buried to me. So why should I wait for you to die and then get my inheritance? I want it now. I'm telling you, I'm not that kind of father. <laughs> my father hand, my reads that just is floating up here, ready to go. So, Let me at him, God. Let me at him. I'll slap him for you. But I was the prodigal. I was the one that ran away. I was the one that hurt my father's heart. I understand that now. Now I'm thinking like a father. We've all expressed ourselves in different ways. Sometimes we're like the father. Other times we're like the older brother. Other times we're like the younger son. But look at the, at the response of the father. The Bible doesn't say that he got angry. I, I'm, I'm furious just reading on behalf of this father. How ridiculous. How would you put up with a kid that says that to you? Inheritance, eh? Get out of here. As far as I'm concerned, you're dead and buried to me. You're an older brother. He's going to get it all. But the father didn't do that. He didn't show spite, and there was nothing in the heart of the father that would tell you that he wanted retribution. Instead, we see that he did exactly that. He's, he humbles himself. He divides a property between the two brothers. Remember, the older brother gets a double share of the, of the property because he's the older brother. Okay, The firstborn son's share, and he gets his one-third, and he takes off. But here's a thought. Do you notice that he doesn't come running after his son? The father doesn't spend time trying to convince the son to stay in the home. And the father doesn't send out, so presumably he's very rich. He's got a lot of property. He's got servants to spare. He did not command his servants, go out there, get my boy, fetch him, bring him back here. But the story tells us that there are times, parents, when you've got to get, let your kids go. When stupid is stupid. The Bible says there's a spirit of stupor that can come upon us. And no amount of talking, no amount of wisdom is ever going to enter their head. And sometimes kids have to learn to the school of hard knocks. Some of you have kids that have gone astray. They pulled away. I, I see many families in here where that's not the case. Well done, you. <laughs> Congratulations. But there are others. Your kids have done all kinds of dumb things. You know they're dumb. Call it what it is. It's just dumb. And they're not going to turn around. And I know you feel bad and you wish your, your mother heart, your father heart saying, I got to go rescue them. I got to go after them. I got to go bring them back. No, sometimes there comes a time where they've got to be, get to that point where they've hit rock bottom. They're hitting the head against the wall and realize, stupid, stupid, stupid. I should have listened to dad. Look at what happens to the son. He, fi he finally hits at rock bottom. He's on his way back to the father. And let me tell you, as an earthly father, this is the moment you've been waiting for. The son had insulted his father, turned his back on him, committed sexual immorality multiples of times. That's what it mean, means. Squanders his wealth. He's going to hang out with Chicky Bay. He's going, to the, he's going clubbing. He's throwing the money around. He's hiring a Porsche, you know, for rent. He's just throwing this money. You know, everyone's thinking, all about the money, money, money. They're thinking, this is the man. I want to hang out with everyone to hang out with this guy until the money ran out. It's interesting that it's when the money runs out that you start to figure out 
who your real friends are. Now, bankrupt and destitute, this son had no right standing with the father. He did not deserve to be a son any longer. The father had the son right where he wanted him. Imagine what the father could have done. He could have waited. The Bible says that while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. Imagine this father could have just gone back into the house. I'll make him walk. I'll make him walk that miles by himself. I want you to understand, when it says he's dirt poor, it means that he was actually naked. He lost all his clothes. His shoes had been sold. That's why the father says, bring him a robe, bring him shoes, because he's actually naked. He's dirty. He's filthy. And this vagabond is walking this mile in shame. Can you imagine? I've got to say something for those prodigals that have come back. You, you might have been that prodigal. You know, I want to encourage you. That is so brave and that is so courageous to be taking that journey back knowing what people are thinking. <laughs> I told you so. I told you so. I told you where this path is going to lead you, and you persisted, and you kept going. Yeah, you go ahead. Come on, everybody, check it out. <laughs> My son wants to come back. Come on, have a good laugh. And w- watching this boy as he's trudging, he's barefoot, his feet are hurting him, he is, he is naked, he is weary, he is tired. There are tear stains on the mud on his face as he's making his way. It could have been that case where the father just stood back and waited because that's what Jewish fathers would do. It is an indignity for a father to be running to the son. You don't do that. Proper culture dictates that you stand there, you make your child come to you. They did the wrong, you did not, so they should run to you. And that shame, you ever had people do that to you, expect you to, to w- do that walk of shame? We've had that walk of shame many times as parents when we had little babies, when the girls are small, you know, they're screaming and crying, and we've got to do that walk, that shame out. And back in those days, our senior pastor wanted us to sit in the front, remember, you know, back in those days, we sit in the front row, we do the walk of shame out, then you start to walk, you walk your way back in there, and then they're screaming again, you go <laughs> backwards. Can I hear an amen from the parents here? Are you feeling, yeah, I feel you, thank you. I'm not the only one. He could have made his son pay. He had him right where he wanted him to be. Everything was aligning at the right moment. It was a kairos moment for the father to take advantage of his wayward son to teach him a lesson once and for all. I can't imagine what that son was thinking as he's doing that walk. I know he's be rehearsing his speech, and he's walking in shame as he, as he makes his way to his father. He says, I'm going to do this. Just, just take another step. Just, just take another step. I, I, know, I know it's tough. I, I know they're laughing at me right now. The village is going to come out very shortly, and I'm just going to come. They're going to see me in my nakedness. I don't care. I, I'm a servant now. I, I, don't, I don't deserve to be a son, so I, I'm not going back as a son. I'm going back as a servant. I'll keep my head low. I'll just look at the ground and I won't have to see people. I won't have to see them scoffing at me. I'm just going to make my way over here. I'm just going to make my way to the Father. He doesn't even see what the Father saw. The Father, the Bible says, is filled with compassion for his son. He wasn't standing there watching him to make fun of him. He was standing there because he had made room for his son at the table. And he didn't want anyone to take that seat. 
And he would have left that door unlocked. And the son said, what are you doing, Dad? I'm going to leave the door open so that my my son, when he comes home, he can come into the house. Daddy's not coming home. What's that chair for? Dad, I'm just going to sit. No, 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 don't don't sit there. That's where your brother sits. That's his chair. You are not going to take his chair. I'm going to put this aside for him. He's coming home. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's going to come home. And every day he'd be standing at the door. You don't hear this story. But that is the heart of a father who loves his kids. Because this same father, as he sees that boy in his nakedness, as he sees that boy with that dirt all over his body, he remembers that baby. He remembers cleaning that dirty bottom and swapping those nappies. He remembers those times when the boy is crying at night. His wife is tired and she, she bumps him and he gets out of that bed and goes up to, to, to gently coax that boy to bed. And sometimes he won't go to bed. It's like an hour or two and you've got to go back to him. Watch it, honey, I'm so sorry. He's just got to have mom, mom time right now. And the sleepless nights that you paid, the clothes that you bought and having to put him, having to bathe your son, the days when you're throwing that ball to your son and he's throwing that ball back in the little way that he does and he can't quite do it and then he's starting to get better you know the moment dads when we were the ones that taught our children how to ride a bike greatest honor I've ever had to be in my children's life I stand before you my dad wasn't great some of you have not had great dads Mine was not great. He was a great man. He was a bishop, well-respected all over Indonesia, across that nation, well-respected. Politicians knew him. They respected. They honored him. But his own son never knew him. So I'm speaking to the children now. Your father in heaven loves you. Your father on earth is imperfect. And I'm sorry for the things that happened to you. I'm sorry on behalf of all fathers that you were neglected. On behalf of all fathers, I repent for the times that we might have hurt you. For the fathers that took abuse their children, abuse their kids. On behalf of them, I repent. That is not the heart of the father. We live in a fallen world. Ladies, you may be waiting for the perfect man to become a perfect father. You won't find them. They don't exist. That's Jesus. But what we want are men who love God, who fear God, and obey His commandments. We want men who will come to church on Father's Day, drag their whole family out, because they realize, I'm building a heritage of faith. You don't know how far and how long the road will go, but heaven one day will celebrate the choices that you have made today, dads and moms. The father's heart was filled with compassion. There was no retribution, no lecture, no anger, no just punishment. Instead, You see a father who runs to his son against all cultural norms. He broke every norm when he did that. And I want you to understand, your father will undignify himself to bring you dignity. Your father will run to you when you can't run anymore. Your father will not give up on you when you've given up on yourself 
Your father will be faithful when you've been faithless. And this father throws his arms around his son and kisses him. You need to understand the father had to overlook his son's nakedness. The father had to overlook the dirt that had compiled from the road all over his son. He's filthy. He had to overlook the stench that came from serving the pigs, the stench that came from rebellion, the stench that came from breaking and transgressing against the laws of God. And the son tries to do a speech that he prepared. Father, Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I know that now. And I've sinned against you. I, I know that now. I should have listened to you. And I, I'm not worthy to be even called your son. And before he could finish his speech, the father interrupts him. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Before we get into town, this boy is going to be clothed in righteousness. He's going to be clothed with the clothing of the son of a wealthy man. I want you to go and get the credit card. That was the ring. Bring the credit card. You Put it on his finger. That gives him my authority. He's coming. It's coming back. Son, I don't want you as a servant. You're my son. See, the thing is, after you sinned, you're thinking to yourself before your father, Father God, I sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. You don't understand. You can't lose sonship. You can't lose sonship by what you do, no matter how awful, no matter how dark a place you go to. You will never lose your sonship with Father God. You got his DNA in you. And when he sees you, he sees a reflection of himself. You were that same kid that was learning to walk and you took a few steps and you fell on your backside. But he picked you up again. He says, Come on, son, do it again. And you fell again. And he said, Come on, son, you can do this until you can walk. We live in this fallen world. And we can never take back what has happened in the past. But the decisions that you make today, personally and collectively, and I'm not just speaking to dads, I'm speaking to everyone today, is going to affect the generations that will follow you in time to come. The decisions you make today will also affect your friends it will affect the way that you live your life. Every small decision you make and you hold on to it is changing you until you're becoming even more like your father. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this morning? Charles Francis Adams, son of U.S. President John Quincy Adams, was a diplomat to Great Britain as had been his father and grandfather. On one occasion, he wrote this in his diary. Went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooks, wrote in his entry that same day, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. 
We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.